1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, unexplainable, macabre, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. Hello, Caroline. Hi. Guess what we're talking about this week. I have some real knowledge to drop uh, on your head. I'm going to shatter your tiny little worldview.
0: I think my worldview is big enough. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, really? Well, let's talk about the world, Carrie. Why don't you describe the Earth to me? The Earth. Yeah, this is a gotcha question to start off the show. Why don't you describe the Earth if you can?
0: Uh, well, it's a planet. Uh, it's the only inhabitable planet that we know of.
1: Okay, I have no problem with what you're saying so far.
0: It's um uh, a a circular, a round object.
1: Uh, fl- Wait, what are you talking about? The Earth. You mean like it's it's round? Yes. No. Oh, Caroline. I didn't know that I had married one of these globularists. What? These globularists. You're just buying into all the propaganda from NASA and the fat cats at, uh, you know. Science? At science. Yeah, big science. I don't know about that. Carrie, it probably won't surprise you to believe, because you, like me and most of our listeners, live on the internet, that many people believe the earth to be flat even though all scientific uh evidence mathematical evidence basically anything basically anything any information uh, points to the contrary um but there are i don't want to say millions there are hundreds of thousands of people out there uh <laughs> taking to the internet and um making the claim that the earth is in fact a flat plane yeah
0: well i've definitely heard that um... I mean, that that used to be the prevailing thing back in the day, right? The Earth was flat, and we were the center of the universe.
1: Well, the center of the universe thing, definitely. And in fact, that was pretty important to Christian, especially Catholic teachings for a long time. So that's Mm -hmm. why the church, you know, had a problem when people tried to put the sun at the center of the solar system.
0: Yeah, you know, the facts.
1: Right. Um, But interestingly, Carrie, the idea of the earth being round goes back a lot further than you probably think but um yes obviously as as you're standing on the ground and you look around and you look out to the horizon um you feel like you're standing on a flat piece of ground sure because the earth is so large right um so the earliest mythologies and cosmologies that we have do depict that kind of an idea um In Egypt and in early Mesopotamia, Earth was always depicted as a flat disk floating in an ocean of water. Mm -hmm. The idea being these early peoples had seen the sea at some point, you know, and just went, I guess it ends here. (laughs) And they figured Earth, you know, the whole world was just a round piece of land.
0: Well, that was something that old timey explorers were actually concerned about, right? Like they would reach the edge of the Earth and just kind of... Float off of it
1: more on that in a little while we are going to talk about the age of exploration in a little bit here mm. I don't want to spoil things of course Um, but suffice it to say not everything that we were told in our elementary school history classes I guess they're all kind of combined into one class in elementary school. Uh, not everything was totally sound uh, Oh, yeah Yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, the biblical Israelites, you know, a, a little while after those, uh, early Egyptians, uh, imagined a similar cosmology. The earth was a flat disc floating in an ocean, uh, with a solid dome overhead on which the moon and stars and sun were printed.
0: Oh, so, the, so they didn't think that those were other objects.
1: No, it, that was a pattern that had been put on this dome by God. For reasons.
0: It's pretty.
1: Um, The Bible refers to it as a a firmament that God had stretched over the earth. So the idea is there's something firm up there. There's a solid object.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, In ancient China, uh, they also conceived of a flat, square earth. Oh, square this time. Yes, this was a uh, a square, like a chessboard or something. Um, But the heavens were round. Uh, so the sky they figured was a round object that was around this square flat Earth, uh, like an egg, like the uh, a snow globe. Yes, yes, like the Earth was a little flat square yolk in the middle of a of a sky egg. <laughs> um, this flat Earth belief was, I guess, especially persistent in China. It sounds like uh, Christian missionaries in the 16th century, uh, so 1500s, were writing that the Chinese uh, still believed that quote the Earth is flat and square, and the sky is a round canopy. Um, The missionary in question had brought the Chinese uh, nobles a globe to show them like, no, the earth looks like this. See, this is what all of us in Europe know. And they yeah, were like, well, they, I don't buy it.
0: They were still, you know, didn't they put Galileo on house arrest because he was like, we're not the center of everything.
1: The uh, the, Catholics. Yes, the Catholic Church certainly did. So, I mean, no one had it right. No one had it right, including <laughs> Galileo, you know, about well, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. At least he was trying. He was trying. Um, Now, in the 17th century, uh, Chinese noble courts and the uh, sort of uh, the Chinese royals and then eventually the rest of the population uh, came along because uh, some Jesuits got like major influence with the Chinese courts. And so once they like liked these white people, it was like, okay, we'll believe you guys, I guess maybe this. But it was a tough idea for people to. Grasp if they'd been thinking they were walking around on a flat object, because sure. the first question, I think this is always funny. They called the other side of the Earth the theoretical other side of this round globe, um, the antipode. So the antipode would be the opposite point from where you are on the globe, like the dark side of the moon. Right, and a lot of the <laughs> problem that people had was like, well, here's the here's the thing though. We're here walking upright, so we're obviously on the top of the Earth.
0: Is everyone walking it, on their heads? There couldn't or? be
1: people down there because they would have to walk upside down.
0: But hadn't gravity
1: gravity already been discovered? No, I'm talking about like ancient people. Oh, okay. Well, we're back there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um in ancient India, the Vedic te- texts which are kind of their, you know, important religious texts, uh ancient texts, they describe many different cosmologies. Um in one of them and this is maybe the most uh famous one or the one you might associate with Indian religions the most earth is one of a stack of flat discs um and so the sky is a separate disc from the earth that's suspended above the earth kind of like two wheels on an axle
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so that was the their conception
0: I mean honestly until you figure it out like how do you (laughs) I can't blame them because everything is so crazy looking like you're just here If you don't know the science, uh, it's all a
1: mystery. Unless you travel like 10,000 miles. Right. Or uh, like figure the math out, right? The math is how you... Yeah, but that's hard. It is, but it wasn't too hard for the ancient Greeks. Well, they had Pythagoras and all them, right? We were just talking about the 1600s, Carrie. Um, They did have Pythagoras, and Pythagoras was the one who first stated the Earth was round as early as the 6th century BC. He's got the theorem going for him. Uh-huh. Now, uh, th- it, that sounds like it could just be, you know, maybe he was kind of a shot in the dark. Everybody was like, this, this Pythagoras is crazy. <laughs> uh, we like his music, though, or or whatever. Um, in 330 BC, Aristotle said that he could prove the Earth was round with observational evidence. Hmm. Um, he...
0: Yeah, I mean there there is uh, there is a slight curve to the horizon. We just don't see it.
1: Yes, and he talked about um, I think ships disappearing over the yes. horizon. Mm-hmm. How uh, obviously a ship will disappear before its mast does, mm-hmm. because um, it is heading uh, you know around the curve.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I never really thought about that, but yeah.
1: Um, now he wasn't doing any um, math around it. You know what I mean? He wasn't doing all the theoretical kind of. <laughs> but by two forty BC. Aristothenes calculated the circumference of the earth and got it like pretty close. Damn.
0: Imagine being that good at math. I could never.
1: Well, not only being that good at math, but like they were basically inventing math, these Greeks, you know what I mean? I could never. <laughs> um, so by the first century AD, Pliny the Elder, the famed historian, was saying that everyone knew the earth was round. He was like
0: everyone knows he was like well
1: obviously we all know the earth is round so bearing that in mind <laughs> everyone this... else is like whoa, whoa 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 Pliny hold on what right but I mean the fact that he wrote that leads you to believe that at least in Greece about a hundred years after the... Uh, everyone like, the Greeks <laughs> but but everyone in ancient Greece pretty much had this idea
0: right. But like at this point, the ancient Chinese still weren't there.
1: Yes, and wouldn't um, come so. along. Wouldn't come <laughs> along for like sixteen hundred years or something.
0: My my point being, he's only really accounting for the Greeks.
1: Uh, yes, as <laughs> as the Greeks always did. Hmm. Um, but Greek thought, as in all other a- aspects, kind of um, Greco-Roman culture carried on through the Roman Empire into Christian teachings. And so you had Bishop Isidore of Seville, uh, who wrote the Etymologies, which was a really, really well-read encyclopedia of the 7th century. Um, Isidore believed in the round earth, and he wrote about it um, in his Etymologies, although a little unclearly. He talks about how the earth is like a, it's like a wagon wheel. and it, But then through other passages in the text, it's clear that he means it's a globe, but he was just describing it as being like... He just you know, couldn't
0: think of the word. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's not. he wasn't a great writer. What else is round? Hmm. Um, but he refers to the, uh, the antipodes and stuff like that. So uh, they, they, he did believe in a, a round earth. And then St. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century um, seems to have been taking for granted in his writing that his readers already knew the earth was round. It wasn't something he had to tell them. Okay. So.
0: Now, did... Sorry, did we figure, I mean, I guess not everyone, but like in general, was it kind of figured out that the Earth was round before it was figured out that the Earth was not the center of the solar
1: system? Yes.
0: The galaxy, I guess, or whatever we would call it if it wasn't a solar system.
1: Yeah, Copernicus figured that one out in the 1500s, I believe.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's a gap there for sure.
1: Uh, Yeah, a a gap of like a millennium and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're not really totally related ideas because I do think there is just certain... I think the Greeks figured out the Earth was round through, like, observation and math. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff, I don't know, without, like, a really good telescope, it's really hard to conceive, even of the idea that there's something beyond our solar system.
0: Sure, Co- yeah. Because but-
1: even when Copernicus said, okay, the sun is the center, he was saying the sun was the center of the universe.
0: Well, yeah, because they figured that
1: The universe was... The solar system. The solar system. Yeah. So, uh, all that brings us to Christopher Columbus. Mm. Because about a century after... Yeah, I know, we're not big fans of Chris, um, but he is an important historical figure. There's no question about it. A few decades before Copernicus would make that bold claim about the sun being at the center of the universe... So bold. uh, Christopher Columbus, famously Caroline, sailed the ocean blue Mm. in 1492. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the interesting thing about this, so what were you told about this story in school? Why was it so hard for Columbus to convince people to let him go?
0: Um, well, he was trying to find a, a better route to India. hmm True. And, and uh, they didn't think it was there, probably. I don't
1: know. <laughs> what I was always taught in school was that people thought the Earth was flat at the time
0: oh that was definitely i mean that yeah
1: and that columbus was going to sail his ass right off the edge of the earth
0: well yeah when i asked before i was definitely thinking of like columbus and all those guys
1: yeah no no, no yeah I, I could tell but the interesting thing so okay so i believed because i was told by my teachers that uh, the king and queen of italy were like yeah italy because uh, he tried he, he was an italian guy columbus Oh, yeah. And he asked the king and queen of Italy, hey, can I go do this voyage? And they were like, no, you're going to sail off the edge of the earth, dummy. And then he went and he he told the uh, Spanish king and queen, hey, listen, I'm going to sail to India. I'm going to go west. And they were like, you're going to sail off the edge of the earth, dummy, but try, I guess. (laughs) Um, That's not what was happening at all. Because as we've kind of established, by 1492, there was literally no, not one single educated or influential European who believed the earth was flat.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's very surprising to me.
1: Um, In reality, and this is how wrong that is, Columbus believed Japan to be about 5,000 kilometers away from Spain sailing west. He thought he could get around the earth in about 5,000 kilometers. And that was based on some Arab estimates of distance for like how big a degree of the earth was. Because we yes. didn't know. Nobody had sailed around the whole thing. So we didn't know how big the Earth was at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some, some Arab uh, mathematicians had made some estimates. And Columbus estimated, based on their estimates, that he could get to Spain in about 5,000 kilometers sailing west. Now, the problem is uh, Columbus was using Italian miles with his calculations, which were smaller. Oh. And so uh, in actuality, it's more like a 20,000-mile uh, distance. That's a big mistake to make. Sorry, not mile, kilometer, but yes, huge difference. By a factor of four, he was off. (laughs) And so his argument with the Spanish scholars was actually over how far the voyage would be. They were like, dude, you're not going to sail 20,000 kilometers. You can't make it. There's just sea from here for 20,000 kilometers to Japan. Um, But of course- But they
0: didn't know that.
1: No. And in fact, there was a whole continent (laughs) sitting here that they didn't know about. Um, and that's what Columbus reached and thought, oh, here we are, India. No. Um, but isn't that fascinating? So, so the whole flat earth thing, we not involved at all there.
0: It was just a lot of bad math and confusion.
1: Yeah. And, and again, they were a little leery about letting him go, but it's because of the distance of the voyage, not because they thought he was going to sail off the edge. There wasn't a here be monsters on the map and they were like, no, you can't go there. Sea monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did this legend start that we read in our school textbooks?
0: That they were still believing this yeah. even to that point? I don't know.
1: Would it shock you, Caroline, <laughs> to hear?
0: After doing this podcast for as long as we have, nothing shocks me.
1: This myth appears to originate with one Washington Irving.
0: Really? The
1: one who wrote Rip Van Winkle and Sleepy Hollow.
0: The legend. The legend of, legend Sleepy, of Hollow.
1: Sleepy Hollow. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, okay, so that's that's pretty recent in yeah. terms of everything.
1: Irving was uh, something of a uh, historian as well, and I'm not going to say amateur because he sold books. He he mm-hmm. he wrote a lot of history books. He played a little fast and loose with the facts sometimes, as we'll see. Uh, one of his histories was a history of the life and voyages of Christopher Columbus, which uh, Irving published in 1828. Um, critics have said he had a, a quote active imagination obviously yes and he was definitely very interested in american mythmaking.
0: yeah i mean you he, look at sleepy hollow the town now and the whole area is really still devoted to that story and <clears throat> the um the whole Washington Irving myth. Uh, Rip Van Winkle, I think there's a bridge uh, named after him mm-hmm. in New York. So that's like, that's big Irving territory. And they still follow his stories to this day, even though there was no headless horseman or anything like that. He would incorporate historic things like the Hessians coming in and helping with the Revolutionary War for the British and, um, so it was kind of believable because he would incorporate these historic events and moments.
1: Yeah, and uh, he was super into. The, he also, by the way, biographied George Washington, mm-hmm. and he was really into the idea of giving America its kind of first set of heroes. You know what I mean? Really making um, more than men out of these out of these men. So giving America its King Arthur's. You know. Yes. And Irving portrayed in his book the royal courts of Europe as refusing to believe the earth was round and refusing to believe it could be circumnavigated until Columbus bravely took to the seas.
0: So this is just a fun little thing he made up.
1: America's first great hero, uh, charging in where others balked.
0: And Okay, so that was part of his whole myth-making thing was like... It wasn't that Columbus had done bad math. It was that uh, they, they believed he would sail right off the earth and die.
1: And he was like, you know what? I'm gonna Screw go, it. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Now that's a man. Hmm. Right. But really, he was just bad at math and he raped a bunch of uh, natives. Not a good guy. Not a good guy. Later in the 19th century, um, there was a hot debate worldwide, and especially in the U.S., over On the Origin of Species by uh, Charles Darwin. Mm -hmm. Did you think that would factor in here? Nope. And so what you had basically was a bunch of Catholic thinkers and activists um, arguing against this evolution idea and a bunch of Protestant thinkers and activists uh, or atheists, but there weren't very many of those back then, not open ones, Mm -hmm. um, saying, you know, this is... What science says and you guys need to come along and uh, look, hey, religion's always been getting in the way of science. And Mm. they pointed to Copernicus and they pointed to
0: Galileo
1: Galileo, and they pointed to the flat earth thing, which they read in Washington Irving's biography. So for Protestants of the time, the flat earth myth, as it's now called, that's actually a term for this. The idea that we all believe people thought the earth was flat back then. Oh, so
0: not even that the earth- Is flat. Is flat. It's the thinking that everyone thought that later than they did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Just from one guy's book. That's interesting.
1: So this flat earth myth became a convenient fable to kind of show how backward- Um, religious people can be against the forward march of progress. You know what I mean? Mm. So just like with Copernicus and Galileo, they could go, look, uh, these dummies were saying the earth was uh, flat, and it took Christopher Columbus, brave Christopher Columbus, (laughs) sailing into it to, to, to prove otherwise. Interesting. So that leads us to the big question, Caroline. If even people of the Middle Ages were so completely secure in their knowledge of the earth's shape, it's round, globular shape. Um, what the fuck is up with all this flat earth <laughs> shit on the internet in the last 10 years?
0: Uh, because everything
1: eventually comes
0: around to being, well, it can't be true. Uh, it must be a conspiracy. The, the sky is not blue and the earth is not round.
1: And um, there is a separate strain. Yes, the internet makes all of this stuff way easier and we'll get into that. Mm. But there's a separate strain, weirdly, of flat eartherism. Um, That begins shortly after, actually, Irving wrote that biography of Columbus and um, continues in an almost unbroken line to the present day. So we will trace the fathers, mothers, and uh, descendants of flat earth conspiracy theory uh, when we come back from a break.
0: All right. (laughs)
1: Welcome back. When last we left you, I gave Caroline and you, dear listener, a tour of the ideas and conceptions of global cosmology and the shape of the Earth uh, over the course of human history. And it turns out that from, you know, from pretty far back, certainly from pre-Middle Ages, um, everyone, at least in Europe, seems to have been um, pretty confident the Earth was round. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we've explained just before the break, we got into sort of why people believe today that people in the Middle Ages didn't know. Um, but that still doesn't answer, Carrie, why people today don't seem to know that the Earth is round. And that may all go back to a man named Samuel Robotham. Okay. Uh, born in 1816. Now, Robotham started as an organizer of an Owenite community in the Fens, which is an a, a plane in eastern England.
0: This kind of reminds me of the guy who came up with, like, Hollow Earth.
1: Yes, that guy also was, I think, a commune organizer. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, Owenism was a proto-socialist, cooperative, utopian movement fa- founded by Robert Owen uh, in Britain in the early 19th century. It's going to continue sounding familiar, by the way, because he proceeded to go do experiments to try to prove his <laughs> findings. So weird. Uh, you see, Sam... Old Sam eventually noticed, um, presumably through the sheer boredom of living in an Owenite community in the Fens, (laughs) um, a total lack of curvature of the long, straight drainage ditch called Old Bedford River. Okay. And this led to the Bedford-level experiment. Um, Now, at this site, Old Bedford River is a slow-moving... Again, it's a drainage ditch. It's often not moving, like, at all. So Mm -hmm. you can get pretty good... um, A pretty good look at the water, you know, without it churning all around. Um, Now, Robotham reasoned that if the Earth is 25,000 miles around, then all standing water must have a curvature such that it falls about eight inches in the first mile and then exponentially more after that. Mm -hmm. Because the water should follow the curvature of the Earth.
0: Was this math correct?
1: Uh, Yeah, actually, it is pretty close. Okay. Uh, So in summer of 1838, Robotham waded into the river with a telescope and just watched a boat row slowly away from him. The boat had a flag on its mast that was about three feet above the water. And Robotham found that the boat stayed in view with its flag the full six mile distance to Wellney Bridge. And given the accepted curvature of the earth, uh, it should at that point have been 11 feet below his field of view.
0: But what if the ditch wasn't fully straight and it actually went upward
1: well that certainly could make a difference but if that was the case then the water would be flowing backward
0: yeah I guess
1: okay uh, the, this experiment cementing his beliefs Sam immediately went out abandoned his community it sounds like and hit the lecture circuit charging six pence a head. at one early lecture a skeptic asked well wait why do boasts disappear then before their masts do just like old Pythagoras did way back Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam panicked and fled the lecture hall.
0: He didn't come up with an answer to that? Like the main question? The first question. Literally, that was his experiment. <laughs> I don't know. What a weirdo.
1: But over time, his debating skills improved. and you uh, pe- would hope. Eventually, people say the quick-witted Robotham could argue circles around his opponents, despite having virtually no facts on his side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, under the pen name Parallax... Oh... He released the. (laughs) That sounds like a a Marvel (laughs) supervillain. He released the very catchily named pamphlet, Zetetic Astronomy Earth Not a Globe, in Uh 1849. Sorry. Uh, In the text, he posits the Earth as a flat disk centered at the North Pole and bounded by a ring wall of ice that we call Antarctica. Mm -hmm. Now, aside from all his lecturing work, Robotham also worked as a chemist and a physician, uh, despite possessing no degrees.
0: Well, it doesn't seem to stop him.
1: Uh, Nope, it certainly didn't. What did eventually stop him was the numerous wrongful death cases that were brought against him for peddling phosphorus as a miracle cure. Mm -hmm. Um, That includes one death by misadventure poisoning of his own child. Oh, God. Robotham was also the patenter of many inventions, including a, quote, life-preserving cylindrical railway carriage. I'd love to see what that looks like, but I can only picture the Batmobile. (laughs) Um, And I guess I'll I'll throw this in here, too, because I found it interesting. He had 17 children. Maybe that's why he poisoned when he figured I got spares. Jesus. 15 of those were with his third wife, who he married when she was 15 years old. Well,
0: you'd have to to have 15 kids. Yeah, right,
1: just to fit it in, I guess. (sighs) Ugh. Um yeah, he fitted in all right. It, despite his legal and personal um, issues, uh, Robotham developed a f- devoted following of believers. And in 1871, John Hampton offered a public wager that he could show the Earth was flat using Robotham's same experiment at the Bedford levels.
0: So it has to be that specific thing. Because anywhere else you do this, it doesn't work.
1: Well, even here, uh, naturalist and qualified surveyor Alfred Russell Wallace... Uh, saw the bet advertised in the paper, I guess. Uh, accepted and won because he, unlike Robotham and unlike Hampton, knew about atmospheric refraction. Ah, you see, I-, I say that like I know what you're talking about. Also, because of the shape of the Earth, any light moving more or less ho- in a straight line mm-hmm. actually moves downward uh, due to the effects of the atmosphere. Okay, it's like the atmosphere is a prison that bends light down, a prism that <laughs> bends light downward. Okay. Um, And so in order to do the experiment properly, you would have to set your sight line 13 feet above the water, which uh, Wallace did. And he also added a pole halfway down the line to show the uh, effects of the curvature of the earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, you know, when the boat got to here, it's like, well, I, so you could see the height of the boat compared to the height of the three foot pole along its whole, you know, uh, uh Trek.
0: Okay. Science. I believe you.
1: Um, the bet was settled, but only after several long court cases. Oh brother. After which Hampton, uh, the loser of the bet ended up imprisoned for libel and for threatening to kill Wallace.
0: <laughs> oh God. Uh, Just
1: take the L dude. As for Alfred, his peers questioned why he would even stoop to a debate over settled science, uh, to a bet over settled science. Um, but he had actually never even heard of Robotham and didn't know that they were uh, resurrecting anything. Yeah. For his part, um, Lord Robotham, he's not a lord, Samuel Robotham, (laughs) it just sounds like a lordy name. Mm -hmm. Samuel Robotham sold over a thousand copies of Zetetic Astronomy and ensured that its legacy would live on. Mm -hmm. After his death in 1884, one very big fan, a Lady Elizabeth Blunt, formed the Universal Zetetic Society. Her objective was the propagation of knowledge related to natural cosmogony in confirmation of the Holy Scriptures based on a practical scientific investigation. It's nothing like practical science in confirmation of the Holy Scriptures.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, She also published a magazine through the society called The Earth Not a Globe Review.
0: Love it. (laughs) Very catchy. At
1: two pence an issue. Um... (laughs) Lady Blunt also edited a flat earth journal called Earth, a monthly magazine of sense and science.
0: I think you're missing one of two of those things, actually.
1: Definitely no science involved. Although there was. She also recreated the Bedford level experiment.
0: Enough. Do
1: it in a different place. Lady Blunt hired a commercial. Yeah, it is funny that they only do this at Welney Bridge. Go literally anywhere else. She hired a commercial photographer to shoot a large white sheet at Robotham's original position from the Wellney Bridge. Uh, The camera was two feet above the water, and the photographer was surprised he could see the sheet six miles away. Um, English Mechanic Magazine had fun with this all year in 1903 and 04. They published Blunt's pictures after her thing, and then two separate experiments showing the total opposite result uh, over the following year.
0: So the, she heard about atmospheric diffraction or whatever, and she was like, you know what? No. Yes. 100%. <laughs>
1: Great. She's like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that part.
0: Because <laughs> that's the part that disproves what I think.
1: Uh-huh. Um, and she's, remember, she's here in confirmation of the holy scriptures.
0: Mm, it's all feeling very familiar.
1: Lady Blunt died at age 84 in 1935. And the Universal Zetetic Society was um, pretty much dead with her, although it would be resurrected. More on that in a little bit. I want to take a little side story here. Because flat-earth beliefs were also preached, and I'm trying to go in more or less chronological order here. Uh, Flat-earth beliefs were also preached by Wilbur Glenn-Voliva at the Christian Catholic Apostolic Church from 1915 to 1942. Carrie rolling her eyes at the... I love just, yeah, we'll add more religious words because that makes us more religious.
0: We are Christian and Catholic and apostolic. Well, it's just like, uh, these are not the people to be doing the science.
1: There's actually great backstory to these guys. Um, This was formerly just the Christian Catholic Church, um, which was founded in... Illinois by John Alexander Dowie, uh, along with a religious commune to be its kind of seat. So, uh, Zion, Illinois, which I think is still a town, um, was founded as, you know, a religious community basically for this Christian Catholic church. Um, Wilbur Glenn Valiva took over in 1906 after the founder Dowie stole and mismanaged church and community funds. Shocking. Never heard of a preacher doing that. It's strange. Um, (laughs) So, Valiva took over, took the the flock under his wing, and immediately made things way cultier. He started (laughs) arranging marriages for his followers. Oh, no. No bacon, ham, oysters, liquor, tobacco, movie theaters, or globes in town.
0: That's not a groovy place to be.
1: Uh, No short dresses. No globes. Well, because that's obviously uh, heresy. No short dresses, high heels, bathing suits, or lipstick allowed for the ladies man and the police force called the praetorian guard oh relax enforced the laws with um little dove patches on their shoulders and belts that had the uh settings for their clubs and bibles
0: not very dove-like of them
1: but i love the bible on oh, yeah the well it's, it's so a funny.
0: literal bible thumper
1: oh <laughs> oh you think he beats people with that absolutely
0: <laughs> wouldn't you
1: Voliva publicly offered a $5,000 reward for anyone who could prove the earth was round under his conditions.
0: The- <laughs> I hate it.
1: He loved kind of getting into the media. Uh, in 1928 after the airship Italia disappeared on an expedition to the North Pole, Voliva warned the world press that the ship had obviously sailed over the edge of the earth.
0: Hmm. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an airship does he think that what does he think the sky ends there
1: that's a great question you're right yeah how could it fall off the edge
0: like if it was a, a ship ship okay that's one thing but, but if
1: you just see the earth end wouldn't you just turn around you go like, oh, oh, we'll oh, go back shit. to where earth okay.
0: is <laughs> let's, let's turn around yeah let's go back to earth Yeah, because I mean space is a thing uh-huh. the sky is a thing and we knew that by this point yeah Okay. So
1: so I don't know why he made this like a central part of his religious uh, identity, but he did. It was like an important part of the whole thing.
0: The airship disappearing.
1: No, the um, flat Earth oh, stuff generally. Mm-hmm. And I think he subscribed to a p- similar cosmogony as uh, Robotham had come up with with the North Pole in the center of the Earth and the ring of ice that is Antarctica around the edge. But here's the thing. if that's the case. then he would it th- what did they fall into the middle of the earth?
0: Yeah. Cuz it wasn't a or South hit Pole. Hit the ice, but like how high up does the ice go?
1: But also it was a North Pole it's a North Pole expedition. That's supposed to be in the center. Uh, so unless he's just like maybe I got it wrong. <laughs> it's the <laughs> other way.
0: I uh, these people are stupid.
1: They're very hellbent on believing the thing they believe. And that can in make in the people- face
0: of all the facts And And all of the obvious
1: truths. And that can make people stupid. (sighs) Now, the International Flat Earth Research Society was a direct descendant of the Universal Zetetic Society, but with a less religious bent, because its founder wasn't a particularly religious guy. The society was founded in 1956 by Samuel Shenton of Dover, England. Now, Samuel was a sign writer who'd been born in 1903, And he sounds like an interesting guy. He was kind of an aspiring inventor.
0: They all are.
1: And by the 1920s, Samuel was walking around telling people that he'd invented an airship. It's a brilliant idea. An airship that would go straight up and just wait until the earth spins at a thousand miles an hour, as the earth does, and then come back down. And it would have traveled a thousand miles in an hour.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He was curious why no one else had thought of this great idea already. Um, Until he read Zetetic Astronomy, the original pamphlet, and was an instant convert. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Shenton named uh, first president of the society William Mills. He was a relative of one of Lady Blunt's followers. So it was like kind of an air of legitimacy (laughs) to the whole thing. Um, Who's watching anyway? Shelton, who cares? Shenton. Um, And... uh, shenton served as secretary himself he sort of saw himself as organizing things from the background
0: so a couple of questions yes if this isn't religious like what what does he think is the reason for people covering up or whatever that the earth is really flat like i could see religious people being like they don't want the truth the scientists don't want the truth to be that god did it this way i don't even know why it's religious but like what what is the reasoning there
1: it's a great question. This, like, he just believes he's the right one? This always seems to come... We'll get into it when we talk about why people are doing this now, today. Um, but there always seems to be an air of anti-authority that goes along with this. Like, you, I think you need to be predisposed that the, to believe the government is lying to you.
0: Okay. So well, you, yeah. You just assume <laughs>
1: they lie because that's what they do. And then... His main thing was just he he couldn't find any explanation for why this airship idea that he was obsessed with wouldn't work.
0: Besides the fact that you couldn't just hover in the air like that ship, back in the day?
1: Ship go up, earth spin, ship come back down. <sighs> you could with a balloon.
0: I Another question. Yes. And I think this is relevant to that. So let's say you're standing, uh, much like what we were just watching in the book of Boba Fett, uh, let's say you're standing on top of a train and you jump, Yep. the train moves underneath you. Yes. And you land on another part of the train.
1: Not so for the earth because...
0: But if you're inside a train and you jump and the, the train moves, you don't like slam into the wall. Yes, of course. Why does that happen?
1: Um, That's a good question. Maybe it has to do with, I don't actually know.
0: I've thought about that a lot. But it seems like the same kind of idea.
1: Oh, right. Okay. This actually makes obvious total sense. And we it's going to make total sense to you when I say it. When you're standing on a train and the train's moving at 150 miles an this hour. It's
0: the top of the train.
1: Sure. But what you've seen in action movies wouldn't be true. If you jumped on the top of the train, you would stay right where you were. on the Vis-a-vis the train. But the train would move. So would you. you you're moving with the train, even if you jump. Because of... Um, Your momentum. Momentum. Because you're actually... The train's not the only thing moving at 200 miles an hour. You're also moving 200 miles an hour. So when you jump, you don't suddenly stop moving that fast. You I see. keep going at the rate that you're going. Similarly for this airship, I guess, Sam Shenton's airship, it would go up, but it's already traveling at 1,000 miles an hour. And it's not going to stop doing that just because it broke contact with the Earth.
0: So how how do people who believe in flat Earth... Uh, reckon um, You know Day and night And things And you know The seasons and stuff
1: uh, There's lots of different ways uh, Samuel Shenton Came up with a very unique cosmogony That included um, It is a flat The earth is a flat uh, Disc I believe In his estimation But then there is There's an, a moon And a sun Both the same size But the sun is further away Than the moon is That's why the moon Looks bigger And uh, they're both casting beams of light. Not light radiantly all around, but they're casting beams of light on discrete areas of the <laughs> earth and both moving around like spotlights, bringing day and night to different parts.
0: That's, that seems even crazier yes. than the real
1: thing. How could it possibly be true? <laughs> unless there was like someone operating that. But yes, I, I think you. I haven't run into one of these that makes a lick of sense unless you put God into it. You know what I mean? I think you have to... God
0: uh, or some sort of conspiracy.
1: Yes. But with the conspiracy angles of this aren't so much about... Uh, and the government is... The government made this flat earth. It's just they're hiding it from us for some reason. mm mm-hmm. um, But this... Sam Shenton was a, a real character. Remember, he founded the society in 1956, which might seem like an inopportune time, given that in 1957, the Russians launched Sputnik... Uh, into space, marking the beginning of, you know, man actually being able to observe the earth. Yes. Um, Sputnik in 1957 didn't slow Shenton down at all. His lectures, by the way, he was doing constantly at personal expense and never turning one down. Um, and still painting signs the whole time. I don't think the flat earth thing was- You gotta
0: have a hustle, Sean.
1: I don't think the flat earth thing was making him any money was my point. Oh, no? Um, and so Sputnik orbited the Earth, came back down, and people were like, hey, Shenton, what now? And his response was, well, would sailing around the Isle of Wight prove it was spherical?
0: That you'd be able to see it.
1: <laughs> uh, Sputnik didn't take pictures, though.
0: I know, but what? He's just thinking that whoever was there lied?
1: Oh, no one was on. Sputnik was just a satellite.
0: Oh, sorry. I'm getting things mixed
1: up. So it just went around, came back. Took some readings, maybe. Now, in 1962, a person orbited the Earth, John Glenn, three times. Mm -hmm. Um, Shenton, after he got back, uh, sent Glenn an IFERS membership, an Mm. International Flat Earth Research Society membership. Very presumptuous. With, okay, wise guy, uh, written on it. I think that's pretty funny. Um, now Gemini 4 made 66 orbits in four days in 1965, and I think released some photos of the earth as well. Um, and Shenton released a pamphlet called the plane truth to tell all his followers quote, remember, is it
0: P L A N E? Like the earth is a plane. Yes, of course it is.
1: Oh, that's funny. I thought it was because he references space flight. So I was thinking of airplanes or space planes, but no, you're right. He's probably talking about, that's hilarious. Yeah, to tell followers, so funny. and here's where we do get religious again, to tell followers, quote, that modern astronomy and spaceflight were insults to God and divine punishment for humankind's arrogance was a mere matter of time.
0: So he's just pissed that these people
1: are disproving him. 100%. And, <laughs> and he's like, well, God's not going to like this. God's not going to like it. And I am God. What? Who said that? I just love like, how could you make God mad? just by learning things. You know what I mean? They're not doing, they're not tearing a hole open in anything. They're just... Right. Going somewhere. God's not gonna like this. <laughs> they said I was wrong. Uh, in December 1968, of course, the Apollo 8 mission... Oh, no, this is where they sent back photographs of the Earth. Because before the mission, Shenton said in the press, if they show us a very clear picture of the Earth from space, and the picture does not show all the continents, and the edge of the picture is out of perspective, then... That would prove the earth is round. Until then, we shall continue fighting to prove the earth is flat. When the picture showed exactly that, he said, uh, That's where those Americans and Russians are so damn cunning. For some reason or other, they obviously want us to think the world is round. Why? Some of the pictures have been blatantly doctored. Oh, Studio s- shots, probably. Stop.
0: Why? What to what end? Qui bono.
1: And he doesn't He doesn't say that. He says, for some reason or other. Yeah, he, he doesn't
0: even know why they would do this. He posits
1: no reason that they would tell this lie.
0: Who benefits Sean? In
1: 1969, the Apollo 11 mission finally put men on the moon. And Shenton's uh, dismissals were sounding crazier and crazier. Uh, when he was asked about this one, he said, uh, the astronauts are hypnotized. Hypnotized into believing they go into space, yes. Uh, Even with their training, those chaps wouldn't have the nerve to be fired off on top of an explosive, a rocket, and uh, the lack of observations they bring back is negligible. Speak
0: for yourself, Shenton. Just because you'd piddle your pants doesn't mean they would.
1: Um, So none of the space missions were very impressive to Samuel Shenton, obviously. Um, But they were persuasive to a lot of other people because by 1969, Iifers membership had declined to 100 people worldwide. Oh, no. And it continued to decline until Shenton's death in 1971. Mm,
0: that's a bummer. In
1: 1972, a Charles K. Johnson took over, uh, now calling it the International Flat Earth Research Society of America. Okay. I love an International <laughs> Society of America. It's my favorite. Um... Now, Johnson claimed that membership got up over 3,500 worldwide um, before, unfortunately, all of his records and contacts were destroyed in a house fire in 1997. Oh, honey. That pretty much uh, put a harpoon in the group's back, and then Johnson himself died in 2001.
0: The internet existed by this point, though.
1: It did, and the Flat Earth Society was resurrected by a Daniel Shenton. No relation to Samuel Shenton. What? This is a coincidental Shenton. In 2004. And uh, at this point, Flat Earth Society is mostly a web-based uh, discussion forum and a repository for Flat Earth literature and interviews. They've done some interviews. A suppository, you mean? <laughs> That's fun. It goes up your butt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that obviously gets us into the internet era. And uh, we've seen many ways in the past few years, not just vis-a-vis the Flat Earth, um, that the internet can be fertile ground for misinformation.
0: So Sean, how can people... With all of our knowledge and science and technology and everything, plenty of beautiful pictures of Earth from space, how can people still believe that the Earth is flat? And again, I can't
1: stress this enough, to what end? Uh, The to what end is the really difficult part. Um, First of all, I think some people will just... Some people are just more like Anarchists. <laughs> to, uh, some people like to watch the world burn. There's no doubt about that. Some people, I think, are trolling. Flatly,
0: not globuly.
1: But a lot of these people seem to not be trolling. And um, I think there are some... Folks who can just get sucked in by celebrity doofuses. Just anyone whose name they've heard before says something. And if you're already a little predisposed, maybe B.O.B. Antila Tequila. Yeah,
0: but like everyone else says the opposite. So you don't
1: believe... Carrie, Thomas Dolby is a flat earther. He blinded me with science. Well With science? Apparently not with science.
0: know me with science. So they believe these people, but not like anyone else like why these celebrities
1: here is the central thing of flat earth belief
0: please I need to know
1: the central two points because the the, the issue is other than literally they will point to the Bedford level on, oh, God. on this modern on this latest website they'll point <sighs> to the Bedford level experiment and talk about Robotham's book as like the, those are the things they point to or and they'll talk about lady blunt from the from the 1800s um they don't have any modern there's no evidence that the earth is flat because it's not so
0: why is it being covered up if they think this because well, obviously there's pictures all scientists say the earth is round so why why would they lie
1: great question this needs to come in order to be a flat earther you must have a instinctive and deep distrust of authority. Um, Again, almost to the point where you assume if a scientist or a government entity is saying it, it's probably false. And what's their motive? I don't know. They've always got one. You know, that kind of thing. Um, So that's one. You distrust authority inherently. And number two, because maybe coming out of that belief, um, the biggest thing among flat earthers is only believing evidence that you obtained yourself. So, and and let me talk through this with you like a flat earther, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to go full, but um, really, Carrie, how do you know the Earth is round? Because you don't.
0: I've seen pictures. I've seen
1: ships go over the horizon. But did you take the pictures? No. And well, they obviously could be doctored then. So what was the next thing? You've seen ships go over the horizon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there must be some kind of a mist effect or something out there. I don't know.
0: So they believe in a mist effect, but not the atmospheric diffusion or whatever?
1: Uh, oh, I'm sure most people who are online saying they're flat earthers have not read far enough into this to get to the atmospheric <laughs> diffusion of the uh, Bedford Levels experiment. Um, there's okay, also, so what's
0: on the other side of the earth?
1: Wait, there's also still a strong religious bent. Yeah, of course. Um, and a lot of these people, even people who similar actually to samuel shenton a few minutes ago even people who come at this saying like i'm coming at this from science from a scientific perspective you know i do know a lot of people have kind of come at it from the religious thing and that's not really my i was watching an interview with one youtuber who uh, uh, has made a career of talking about this and he was saying that like oh yeah i don't come at this from the religious side really but if you look at the scripture it does talk about that firmament it's like wait so what are you talking what are you talking about
0: The thing is, the scripture is not something that we thought was handed down to us word for word. Um, It was written by men, and men get things wrong
1: all the time. Even if it was divinely inspired, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they could have been inspired, but it didn't just show up on a hillside all pre-written by God. It
1: also has a lot of poetic language in it, the Bible.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, the firmament... You know, could be anything, but also it was just, it's a book that was written by guys who didn't know what the sky was. Yeah. But now we know what the sky is.
0: Yeah. So what, what do they believe is on the bottom of the earth?
1: Uh, Well, actual cosmogenies vary and most of them won't speculate on that because, well, it's, it's nothing essentially. There aren't people walking around down there for sure.
0: So it's like the bottom of a floor tile. Yes. Like it's just the, the stuff that's stuck to the floor.
1: Yeah, because flat earthers are a little split on like what gravity is or does. It's <laughs> it's not what NASA tells you it is, which is of stuff course. that just it's not a force that just makes things stick to each other. Um, and so like that's
0: not that they got that from Newton. Yes. Like what was what was his angle? Then well, why would he lie?
1: Well, I don't think Newton really fully understood gravity. Newton would have no, described gravity as a force that pulls things down to the earth. Mm-hmm. But a uh, modern scientist would describe it as a force that pulls all things to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So he didn't fully understand it either. And we don't under- probably understand it now.
0: No, I mean, we don't understand anything. Anything. Not anything. really.
1: No know that's the funny part is all the science that we've uh, uh said all the real science that we've mentioned in this podcast so far is probably also flawed in some way of
0: course but i mean there are pictures
1: and the the worst part but they of- can't
0: even figure out why the, the people would lie to us you know there are things there are certain conspiracies oh my god i don't even want to get into it it's too political which uh, unfortunately it shouldn't be but it is um One of the vaccine conspiracies is that they're injecting a chip or a tracker or whatever into you.
1: Yeah, that's not. I don't. I consider that political. But I (laughs) treat that as as inane dribble.
0: But but (laughs) I see I see a point there. You know, they're trying to track me. That's why I don't want
1: to do this. Oh yes. But like,
0: I don't see why we would be lied to about this. I Uh, don't see the the benefit.
1: Well, one. The thing that they will point to is all the money that's been funneled into our and other international space programs.
0: But that's that's been going steeply downhill. I know it's for semi, decades semi
1: privatized in a big way now.
0: Yeah. So who
1: cares? I I agree, and and <laughs> it's only now that this has really come into the fore on the internet. Yeah. It's just. It's like. Do you remember the TikToker who was saying the Roman Empire didn't exist? Oh God. Yeah. Uh, people just like challenging especially over the last uh
0: people like feeling smarter than everyone else too
1: and they love challenging established beliefs mm-hmm. because it, may, it lets you feel smarter than everyone hey i'm smarter than nasa i'm yeah. smarter than all the scientists mm-hmm. um, and the best part is i don't have to show you anything because uh,
0: everything is a conspiracy
1: yeah uh flat earthers actually will often say that the burden of proof isn't on their side. The burden of proof is on science's side or, or on gl- globularists' side. Globularists is a word they made but up. But
0: they have, they have proved it.
1: Um, No. A flat earther would tell you, no, I'm standing on flat ground right now. And I look around and I can see with my eyes that it's flat. And until... Uh, I personally, I, you know, I think the only way you could observe the curvature of the earth for yourself is- I think
0: to... you can, if you're uh, going back a few episodes, if you're on like Everest,
1: Yeah, you that... can
0: see the curve. You have to be up very, very high. Exactly. And yeah. be able to see very, very far. And that was- Because we can't conceive of how big the earth is. I mean, like we can, but like in our minds, and our, in our eyes, we've never seen anything as big as the earth. <laughs> no. Because we're on
1: it. Yes. And you've been on it your whole life. Yeah. Um, getting up high would work. You would be able to see the curvature that way. And that was the plan, sadly, of Mad Mike Hughes. Oh, boy. A limo driver and daredevil. Have you not heard of this guy? This was a big news story.
0: Does it have to do with Everest?
1: No, it has to do with the flat earth.
0: No, but I mean getting up high. It. Oh, wait. I think I have...
1: Mike was a limo driver and daredevil.
0: He made like a... Oh, I've I've heard this. This was recent.
1: Yes. In 2002, Mike had set the world record for the longest stretch limo jump at 103 (laughs) feet. Um, So that was his claim (laughs) to fame um, so far. In 2014, he had built his first crewed rocket. Um, It was a steam-powered rocket, and in it he flew 1375 feet. Uh, He claimed afterward that the injuries he suffered in the crash put him in a walker for two weeks. But there was doubts on the internet after he posted the video about whether he was actually in the rocket at all because (laughs) there was no video of him getting inside. Mm. Uh, A couple years later, in 2016, Mike launched a crowdfunding campaign for another rocket launch that only made $310. Out of how much? He needed like close to $8,000. Oh, no. Now, later that year, the flat-earth thing started picking up on the internet and Mike jumped on some forums and said he was a flat-earther and wanted to shoot himself high enough to see the curvature of the
0: Earth. But and why needed... would anyone believe him?
1: And he needed a rocket to do it. So he raised, that way, $7,875 to build himself <laughs> a rocket.
0: But again, why would you Why would you believe him? He could be in on the conspiracy.
1: Sure, yeah. And I think there's a strong argument to be made. He didn't care about the flat Earth at all. And he just, he just wanted, wanted to build to... a rocket. I just want to go up real high. They only gave him $300 for a rocket, but a flat Earth rocket, Eight grand. Jesus. The launch was, um, uh, there, there was much wrangling of permits and permissions uh, for this launch. The Bureau of Land Management um, started seeing news stories about this planned rocket launch. And we're like, we haven't heard from this guy. And he does have to get permission and permits. And when they reached out to him, Mike was like, you know what? It's fine, guys. I'm just going to do the launch on private property instead. And then the Bureau of Land Management was like, no, you still need a permit to launch a rocket.
0: That is interesting. Does it have to do with ownership? Because I I feel like I read this recently, but like we don't own the sky above our property. Oh, interesting. Like our.
1: Well, that's airspace. Is that what you're talking
0: about? Yeah, kind of. But if you buy a house with, let's say you're on an acre of land, you own that acre and you own what's on it, but you don't own everything above that acre. Like, you don't own what's in the sky after a certain point, I don't think. So you can la- launch... If if you don't need a per- permit for a rocket, say, well, let's, well, say, you you, would still let's be... say you didn't, you would still be launching yourself up, but even if you were on your own property at a certain point, it's not your property anymore. Oh, I see. Directly above you.
1: Yes. And in fact, most airspace is restricted.
0: Yes, of course. Well, that's if you go up in super one way high, or another. which yeah. I'm assuming he didn't.
1: Um... Well, his launch was initially scheduled for November 25th, 2017, still no permits. Uh, then it was uh, rescheduled for December 2nd, 2017. Um, then he finally made an attempted launch on February 3rd, 2018, um, where the Steam release malfunctioned and he had to um, put the kibosh on the whole thing. Mike ended up launching another crowdfunding campaign to raise this time $10,000 for the quote delay costs of the launch. <laughs> More for the delay cost Kickstarter than the rocket Kickstarter is interesting, Um, but this one only actually raised $100. Oh, jeez. And finally, on March 24th, 2018, Mike got his launch done. He reached 1875 feet and had a hard landing in the Mojave Desert. No serious injuries, and he landed 1,500 feet away, crucially, still on private property. (laughs) Now, the intention with this rocket launch was to reach 500 miles per hour. Um, Because future launches, Mike planned to launch a similar rocket from a balloon 20 miles in the air so that the rocket could reach low Earth orbit. Uh, His team reported that this launch reached 350 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. There was another planned launch in 2019 to test the system again, but it was postponed and ended up, uh, I think, with Mike getting heat stroke in the Mojave. Finally, on February 22nd, 2020, Mike was shooting a rocket launch for Science Channel's Homemade Astronauts, a program that I don't think has aired.
0: I wonder why. Come on, Science Channel.
1: During the launch, the rocket's parachute appeared to deploy early and detach. Uh, Journalist Justin Chapman was on site, and he said the rocket appeared to rub against the launch apparatus just before it went up, possibly tearing the chute. Um, The rocket fell several hundred feet, hit the ground hard, and Hughes was killed instantly on impact. Terrible. Following his death, his PR rep, Darren Schuster, said, "Uh, We used the Flat Earth as a PR stunt. Flat Earth allowed us to get so much publicity that we kept it going. I know he didn't believe in Flat Earth, and it was a shtick. Uh, On the other hand, the co-directors of Rocket Man, Mad Mike's mission to prove the Flat Earth, um, say that they felt his belief appeared genuine to them when they were making the movie. Hmm. But of course, if that's his brand now, he would have to. He'd have to go with it. He'd have to act the part, yeah. So, you know, I mean, this, this, in this one case uh, proved tragically fatal. And I just couldn't tell the story of the Flat Earth conspiracy theory without telling Mad Mike's story. Um, It's very sad. And whether or not he believed all this nonsense, um, you know, what a bummer. Yeah. Because he's probably a fun guy.
0: Uh, He would definitely be someone to have a beer with.
1: Well, rest in peace, Mike. Um, Caroline, do you have any more questions about the flat Earth that you're standing on?
0: <laughs> oh, Sean, I have so many questions, but none I think you can answer. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like hollow Earth. It's like, what's the point? Why? Who cares?
1: But so Mike not might not have been an actual... Um, believer but certainly the people who contributed to his campaign oh
0: there are definite true believers yeah
1: we're hoping to send a man up in a rocket high enough that he could come back down and go nope not curved but, but here's again, the thing why why, would they, why do they believe mike
0: why do they believe him
1: yes it's like <laughs> it's like being a being a scientist being in nasa having letters after your name being in any kind of government position makes you to some people and today Uh, less trustworthy than
0: literally some fucking bum off the street. And listen, you should always approach things with an open mind, with your own perspective. I don't think you should blindly uh, believe things ever, even if it's an authority telling you. But to me, they've proved it. So
1: but that's because you're uh, one of these sheeple who just listen to everything that you're told. Oh, jeez. Here's the truth. It's an interesting thought pattern to get into to um, question everything you're told. I think it's a healthy thing to do in most cases. Sure, thinking critically, but you have to be critical. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't mean just choosing what you want to reject and then not listening to anything to the contrary. Exactly. Uh, That's actually the opposite (laughs) The opposite of critical thinking. Um So, you know, while these people will describe themselves as skeptical of the Earth's shape, I've seen them describe themselves as skeptics, um, they're not skeptics. They're ultimately believers. And that's the really interesting thing to me here. Hmm. Sheeple. <laughs>
0: It's Poe's Cryptid Corner. A twisty story out of Pennsylvania. In Fairfield Township, homeowner Christina Eith noticed a strange set of paw prints outside her home and went to investigate. After following the tracks for some time, she came upon a strange-looking canine creature by her basement door. (gasps) chupacabra? Perhaps. The animal was scared, cold, and shivering, so Eith lured it into her home and called rescue workers from Pennsylvania organization Wildlife Works. Despite their extensive training, they couldn't figure out exactly what kind of animal Eith had rescued, with wildlife rehabilitator Morgan Barron stating, quote, I honestly can't definitively say what it is. Behavior-wise, he's very timid, very scared, and not aggressive at all, which makes me lean toward dog. Okay. However, the animal being a coyote remained a possibility, so the group planned to have it to have it genetically tested. It was being treated for mange when the story took a turn.
1: Oh, I don't want to jump in at the moment of suspense here, but uh, how do you treat mange? Isn't mange just hair loss? I thought mange just meant a dog's hair was falling out.
0: I have no idea.
1: We could use some of that mainstream for Pose. Uh, <laughs> no, ears. no,
0: he's just—he's got allergies. That's different. According to a Wildlife Works Facebook post, the animal went missing overnight from its cage at the rescue, escaping by forcing its way out of the locked cage and chewing open a window seal. <laughs> it then took its leave through the window and has yet to be found. Whoa!
1: I love that. Wait, so how did the test results come back?
0: The genetic testing results have yet to come back in. No. But till then, many are saying that the creature heavily resembled common descriptions of a chupacabra. (gasps) A
1: chupacabra!
0: A legendary creature said to have been spotted throughout the Americas, including Puerto Rico and Mexico. A goat sucker! Mm -hmm. And Sean, I have a picture on the desktop if you would like to see a picture of this strange creature before it went missing.
1: Oh, I'm so excited that they took pictures.
0: Yeah, he's sweet. He He was
1: mangy. Oh, this is a dog, right? I mean, it seems it seems a lot like a dog with a cauliflower ear. This poor guy.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope they find it again if it is a dog or if it's a coyote. I hope it uh, recovered enough and uh, just found its way back out. But perhaps it
1: can, is Can I tell you the truth? It looks like if that is a coyote... I want one because he's sweet. (laughs) Not with our dog. But also the remains of his fur look brown, not like gray or black to me. I think that's a dog.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It almost resembles Kobe, my aunt's dog. Yeah,
1: he looks like Poe.
0: Well, there is that kind of houndish face, which like a greyhound or a whippet has. so. I know. I hope. I hope he's
1: okay. I just hope he finds a home. Me too. Little chupacabra. Mm. Little chupacabrito.
0: <laughs> That's Poe. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary, and check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash ain'titscary. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now. They have reviews.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, guys, get out there and do that.
0: Yeah, we need some. It will
1: really help.
0: We will be forever grateful.
1: That's right. And special thanks to our beloved top tier patrons. By the way, come over and join us on Patreon. This weekend, Carrie's going to read some spooky, ooky Edgar Allan Poe stories to me. We're going to
0: do some movie watching. It'll be fun.
1: Well, I think we're going to do the Hellraiser series, but starting with four. So it's going to be
0: bad. (laughs) You know, the best one.
1: Yeah. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Maybe we'll do some Puppet Master as well. The littlest Reich. Um, special thanks to our beloved top tier patrons already joining us over there Nate Curtis Sean O'Donnell Jared Chamberlain Maria Ferrante Robin McCabe Comfy Mike Alex Nakutis Ryan Regan and Christy Atchison we love you guys see you next Thursday show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe music by Kyle Ryan you can find Kyle at his YouTube channel music is a verb this
0: has been a production of Longboy Media <laughs> Ohio is a land of mystery from missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface, to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies, from myths that have evolved around historic events and people, to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering, what happened? Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com